Edwin Crozier here with another look into God's Word. You're about to listen to what I consider a very special lesson. This lesson was presented to the Franklin Church on the very last Sunday of 2004. We knew we would be spending the next week reflecting on one year and planning for the next. We needed to know what standard we should use to evaluate and plan. We found the standard in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. Whether you're listening at year's end or not really doesn't matter. The lessons from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7 are beneficial whether you're looking at a year, a month, or a day. I hope God's Word can benefit you as we examine some lessons for our final week. Does anybody remember back when looking forward to the year 2000 felt like you were looking to the distant future? I mean, even, even in 1998, the year 2000 seemed like it was, that was the, oh, that's way off in the future. All the science fiction films are in the year 2000, and that's when all these amazing things are going to happen. That's just way, way out there. And yet, here we are now, about to go into 2005, and it's becoming the distant past. Here we're coming up in just less than a week, and we're going to roll over another number on our calendar. And for many, this next week, as we plan to change the calendars again, is going to be a week of reflection, a week of evaluation, a week in which we take a look at what we've done and what we haven't done and how we've grown and how we haven't grown and wondering what we could have done better. And for others, this is going to be a week of planning. We've got the year 2005 coming up and wondering what are we going to do in that year to make it any better. This is our final week. We're going to be doing all kinds of thinking and planning. But as we do that, what's the standard? How should we gauge this past year? And what standard should we use to plan for the upcoming year? I think in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul provides for us a great standard, a standard both of evaluation for the past and planning for the future. I realize, of course, that in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, Paul was making a statement because he believed his death was imminent. We, of course, are here today, probably very few of us are thinking that our death is imminent. And yet this statement, as it would apply to life in general, I think can apply to the year that we see closing out. Paul here, as he was facing his death, said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul had evaluated his life, and he examines his actions and his course. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. These three standards should judge our year and should help us as we're planning for our future. Can we say this about the year 2004? Can we look back and say, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Can we look ahead and plan to fight the good fight? 
to finish the course, to keep the faith. I have fought the good fight. We recognize that Christianity is a struggle. It's not a walk in the park. It's not rolling around in a tub of butter. There's conflict. There's struggle. There's striving that goes along with being a Christian. In Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, finally, Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're in a struggle. We're in a fight. And we must fight the good fight. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 24. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 24. Jesus said, strive. That's the same word that's used here to talk about fight. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. If we're going to be a part of that chosen group of God. We've got to strive. It's a struggle to be on that narrow way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Few will go on the narrow way, struggling, striving, fighting the good fight against those who would oppose us. Why would we do it? Paul explained why he did it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, Paul said, We proclaim Him, that's Jesus. Admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within me. Why do we fight the good fight? Because we want every man to be complete in Christ. As we consider these things that we've learned about fighting the good fight, there are two keys that we need to know and understand. The very first key as we examine our lives and plan for our futures is that in order to fight the good fight, we must be intentional. This doesn't happen accidentally. It only happens when we do it on purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Verse 26, we're going to mix our metaphors a little bit here, cover both of them, but we'll come back to this passage when we talk about running the course. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. As Paul described fighting the good fight, as he described walking this road that God had for him, he said, I box in such a way as not beating the air. So I have purpose. I'm not just flailing about. I've got purpose. I'm doing things intentionally. It's not going to happen on accident. If we're just walking around, doing whatever comes naturally, doing whatever we feel like doing we should, that we should do next, we're not going to accidentally fight the good fight. We have to do it 
on purpose. And secondly, we recognize that if we're going to fight the good fight, we must stand up against the opposition. As Ephesians chapter 6 said, we are in a battle and we are in a struggle. We've got to put on the armor of God so that we might stand firm. Now, I'm not going to evaluate your year for you and I am not going to evaluate the congregation's year for us today. This is just something we all need to take a look at. 2004. Did we do this? Did you do this? Did you fight the good fight? Did you do it on purpose? Were you intentional in striving to serve the Lord? Did you stand up when others opposed God's will? What about in the upcoming year? What plans do you have? Have you sat down and even thought about how you're going to serve God in the next year so that you can intentionally fight that good fight, strapping on the armor of God so that you can serve the Lord on purpose? What plans have you made for our upcoming year to fight the good fight? Paul went on to say, I have finished the course. Perhaps some of the most blessed words to our ears can be found in John chapter 19 and verse 30. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, as Jesus hung on the cross, He cried out, It is finished. The Father had given the Son a job to do to secure our salvation to shed His blood for the remission of our sins. And here on the cross, He was able to say, It is finished. I've accomplished it. I've run the course, Jesus said, that the Father has set for me. The job He has given me is done. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, was able to look at his life and say, It is is finished. I've I've accomplished it. The task that God has given me, I have done it. And I've run the course. Can we say that? At least for the year in which we've lived? God has established a course for me in His Word and I've run it. I've done what He's given me to do this year. As we consider this, as we evaluate 2004, as we plan for 2005, there are four things that we need to recognize that we have to do in order to accomplish this. The very first thing is that we've got to have a goal. Paul was able, or Jesus on the cross was able to say, it is finished because he had a goal. He knew what he was striving for. Paul was able to say, I have run the course because he knew where he was going. We can't say, I've done it, if we didn't know what it was we were striving to do. We've got to have a goal. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 12 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, put your eyes on Jesus. What's the focus? The focus is, I want to become like Jesus. I want to get where Jesus is. That's 
the goal. Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14 describes his goal. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14, he said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a goal. He knew where he was going. He knew what he was shooting for. We've got to have a goal. Secondly, we've got to have sacrifice. In Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, Paul said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I don't count my life as dear. He's not saying here, just, I'm willing to die for the Lord. Certainly, that's a part of it. But what he's saying is, is all the things about my life, the things that in my life I might naturally want to be striving for, the goals that I've had in the past, the desires that I have in my flesh and even in my heart, he says, that's not dear to me. What's dear to me is running the course that God has laid out. And Paul says, I know that in order to run that course, I have to sacrifice. And I'm willing to to do it. Because my life, my goals and my desires are not nearly so important as God's desires. And of course, to truly accomplish that, we need to study and mold our desires around God's. We've got to have goals. We've got to have sacrifice. We've got to have personal discipline. Go back to that passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, read a little bit more of it, beginning at verse 24. Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 24, those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself might not be disqualified. It took personal discipline. He said, daily, I've got to discipline myself. I've got to make sure that I am still on the right course, that I haven't detoured and started following my own course. I've got to discipline myself. I've got to look at the standard and make sure that every day I am doing the things that it takes to accomplish the goal that God has set for me. So my question, as you evaluate, as you plan, what are the daily things that you do to make sure you reach these goals. And finally, regarding finishing the course, it takes progress. I've got to make progress. In one sense, if you remember Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, do you remember what Paul's goal was? One of his goals in Colossians 1, 28 and 29 was that every man would be complete in Christ. Had Paul accomplished that goal? Was every man complete in Christ? No, they weren't. But he had done what he could do. And he had made progress. 
And when we talk about finishing the course, there is a sense that no matter how long we live, no matter what all we've done, we haven't finished all that God wants done. But He's not expecting that. He's expecting us to have the goal, to make the sacrifice, to follow the discipline, and to make progress. And so the question is, can we look back over the year 2004? Did we have goals? How do we deal with those goals? As far as the ultimate goals in our lives that God has for us, how did the year 2004 help us along that? Did we sacrifice? What did we sacrifice? What disciplines did we follow? Have we made any progress? This is the standard by which we need to judge how we've done. And what about the year to come? What goals are we going to have? As a congregation, we're establishing a five-year plan that sets up goals along the way. I think that's a great first step for us. What about you as an individual? Do you have any plans? Do you have any goals about your spiritual development? What sacrifices are we going to make? What personal discipline do we need? What progress do we think we can make in the course that God has set for us as a congregation and as individual Christians? These are the questions we need to be asking. Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the course, I have kept the faith. That's very interesting. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, the Spirit explicitly says in later times, some will fall away from the faith. In chapter 5 and verse 8, if anyone doesn't provide for his own and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith. In chapter 6 and verse 10, the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8, just as Janus and Jammer opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind rejected in regard to the faith. Some had fallen away from the faith. Some had denied the faith. Some had wandered away from the faith. Some were rejected in regard to the faith. But Paul was able to say, I have kept the faith. Understand that the word for kept here is not just the idea of I've followed and I've obeyed. Excuse me. It's the idea that here is this faith and I've protected it. I've guarded it. In my life, by obeying it and heeding it, and in the world in general, by defending it, protecting it against those who would speak against it. Therefore, it's not surprising as we consider this, the three keys that we need to consider. Number one, we've got to live by faith. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. We've got to live by faith. Our decisions must be made based on the faith. God has given us this Word so that we would know how to live and how to serve Him. Have we been living and serving based on the faith? The revelation that God has given us in which we are to believe in order to live and serve Him. But more than just living by faith, we must contend for the faith. In Jude, verses 3 and 4. In the book of Jude, verses 3 and 4, Jude says, Beloved, 
While I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we've got to contend for the faith. There are those who would twist it. There are those who would pervert it. There are those who would turn it upside down. Our job is to contend for it. To fight on its behalf. We come full circle back around to the beginning. Fighting the good fight. Standing up in the face of opposition to defend and protect the truth, the faith, that it would not be twisted and perverted and made of no effect. Finally, in order to accomplish this, we've got to work together. Very interesting passage in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, the Scripture says, "...only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." We've got to work together. Working in unity. With one mind. Striving for the faith. So as we look over the past year, how have we done? How have you done? Have you been living by faith? Have your decisions in 2004 been made based on the revelation that God gave us through His Spirit? Have you been contending for it? Defending it? Standing up for God? And what about our relationships with one another? Have you developed any relationships that help you do this? And let me say, that is so much more than just making sure you come to the building together with these people. But that you develop relationships that stimulate us to love and good deeds. Remember that? Hebrews 10.24. And what are your plans for the next year? Have you got any decisions that you know that are coming up? Any issues that you know you've got to deal with? Have you studied the Word of God to see how God's Word impacts those decisions? Do you know someone that you need to stand up and defend the Word of God to them? What relationships are you going to develop with your brethren here to help accomplish these things? In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul said, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. We like this verse right here, don't we? There's a crown of righteousness laid up for us. But in order to be able to say this verse along with Paul, we've got to be able to say verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. How have you done? If you're like me, you're going to see a lot of room for improvement. Don't be upset. 
Just take note of it and plan. God expects progress. We haven't fought the good fight, finished the course, and kept the faith perfectly this year. We already know that. I think that's one of the problems we have. Sometimes I am afraid of evaluation, of taking a look at how I did this year. Anybody else ever have that fear? I know why I have that fear. Because I'm afraid of all the bad things I'm going to find. Anybody else know that feeling? Here's how I've dealt with that. I've come to grips with the fact that I know they're there. And if I don't find them and do something about it, this time next year, guess where they're still going to be? They're still going to be there. And so the only way that it gets better is if I just go ahead and buckle down, evaluate, and then plan for improvement. Here's our standard. Can we say, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. Thank you so much for joining us as we examine 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. I hope the lessons of this verse have helped you, whether you're planning for a new year or just reevaluating your life in general. Remember the standard. We must first fight the good fight. Second, finish the course. And third, keep the faith. Whatever you've done in the past should be evaluated based on this standard, and whatever you plan for your future should fit within the admonition found in it. If you were given this lesson by a friend, please feel free to visit our website where you can download many of our lessons, both in audio and outline format. The website is www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you have any questions about God's plans for you or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please contact us by calling 615-794-2359. Or you can contact us through our website, franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you grow in faith. More importantly, may you richly bless God.